aliens and flying saucers. This is all an illusion. Please pardon the confusion. You made it. Hey, what's up? Welcome to the 11th episode of Two Writers Slingin' Yang. My name is Jeff Perlman. I'm a former Sports Illustrated senior writer, former ESPN columnist, author of a handful of New York Times bestsellers, and a Bleacher Report contributor. Music you're listening to is Croissant Master by the great MC White Owl. And this podcast is an ode to writing in all its forms, from journalism to songwriting, screenwriting to poetry to novels to whatever. And today's guest is Dylan Gwynn the sports editor at Breitbart, yes, Breitbart, an author of Bias in the Booth, an insider exposes how the sports media distort the news. And I'll be honest here, Dylan and I share almost no beliefs in common. I hate Breitbart. I don't think the sports media really distorts the news. But that's what makes these conversations fun, because it's so much easier to agree than disagree. So let's disagree this week on Two Writers Slinging Yang. Dylan, first... Thank you very much for doing this. And, and I should say we're doing this in the midst of, uh, of you know, you're the, you're the 11th guest, but you're the first to do it in the midst of a hurricane. Cause, uh, so that makes you extra. <laughs> you get some props there for that, man. You, you know, you could be hiding under a table, but you're here. Although you could be hiding under a table. You... For all I know, right now you're hiding under a table. I'm, I wouldn't say hiding, but I am sitting under a table right now. Yes. So, you know, hey, we're just, it's all good. Yeah, that's funny. And so you're in Houston, Texas, right? And Hurricane Harvey is going on right now. And uh, I appreciate, I do appreciate you joining me. You're the 11th guest here on the. Uh, oh, of course, man. I appreciate the invite, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, no worries. So, um, so you are, you know, as I said in the intro, you're the sports editor at Breitbart. And I think most people, myself included, don't really think of Breitbart and sports. You know, it's not like I, I'm going to go to Breitbart to check out the score of the Bills Packers game. So, <laughs> what does that even mean, and how did you get the gig? Whoa. Okay. Well, as far as what Breitbart Sports means, and I totally agree with you. I mean, if people want to read straight sports articles, they're probably not going to come to our site. Um, I, I think what what we do uh, is that we we report on and talk about bias in the sports media it's not you know we, we will do some straight straight sports occasionally right but mostly it's the influence of politics in the world of sports so like you know when we talk about Kaepernick we talk about all the political stuff that's going on in the sports world a lot of people uh will come back at us and be like well you know you guys you guys don't stick to sports and stuff like that was well, well yeah of course we don't stick to sports cuz that's not who we are we right. ne- we've never advertised ourselves as as being a pure sports site because why would anybody come to our site for that they're not going to no we we do something that really not many people do from a certainly from a conservative standpoint which is talk about the influence of politics in sports and cover it from a conservative standpoint that's not really done in a lot of places, and I don't think it's done anywhere better than it is at Breitbart. Right. Um, how'd you land the gig? Like, how'd that even happen? Well, I, I landed the gig because a few years ago, I wrote a book that you may remember. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were prominently featured in that book. It is Bias, bias in the Booth. Right. And it was about, the, it was about just that, the influence of, of politics and sports, specifically liberal politics. And I wrote them. Part of my strategy for getting this book published was to talk to a guy named Daniel Flynn. Uh, he had written a book called The War on Football, and it was about uh, the the C- it was basically about CTE. Yeah, I remember that. The influence, yeah, the, yeah, the the science of CTE and what it meant, what it didn't mean, stuff like that. But I, but he was a conservative, and he was from my, my side of the aisle, and he. You know, and he had gotten this book published. So I'm like, huh, you know, I, I need to, I need to like, you know, get to know this guy. So basically I had him on my radio show, which uh, was then at Yahoo Sports Radio. Mm-hmm. And I had him on and we had a, we had, you know, great interview about his book. And we, we ended up, you know, uh, becoming friends. And he uh, spoke to Regnery Publishing about getting my book published. So he kind of helped me out there. Well, about, uh, you know, six, six or eight months later, uh, because he's a brilliant writer. Daniel Flynn is is one of the best writers I've ever read in my life. And he's a brilliant guy, not just about sports, but but about just politics in general. And, you know, the, the, the horizon was a little bit bigger for him and sports was a little too small for him. So he was getting ready to move on. 
uh, but he needed somebody to take over for him uh, at Breitbart Sports. So he remembered me, obviously, from my book and being a conservative and being in talk radio. And he's like, hey, you know, do you want to come over to Breitbart and take over? Uh, I was like, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And uh, it initially started, I, I got on the phone with Steve Bannon. This was probably 2013, 2014. And we had a couple of good talks and things were moving well. And I don't know, I, it just stopped. I don't know what happened, but it just stopped. And we just didn't get anything done. A year goes by and he calls me. I'm at the beach. Out of nowhere, Daniel Flynn calls me. I haven't, haven't spoken to him in about six months. He's like, hey, I think it's for real this time. Like, they're really going to move me on. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. You know, so I remember this whole, this whole process and how, you know, torturous it was the first time. I'm like, okay, you know, let's, uh, I'll, ge- I'll gear up for another go of it. Well, you know, uh, Steve Bannon had moved on to the Trump campaign. And it, not, not that he was the one holding this up right. by any stretch. I mean, he was, you know, it's, it's not that it was his fault. But, but he goes to the Trump campaign, and I think they were just def, like desperately looking for someone to fill the spot. And uh, I was there, and it went, it went so much smoother the second time around. And it was just perfect. Everything fell into place. And that was October of 2016 and uh i think i took over full-time doing it myself getting out from under uh daniel's wing there and in december and i've been doing it ever since you know it's interesting because i was thinking yeah like you and i uh we clearly have you know generally probably pretty opposite political views i'm sure there's some crossover but but generally sure pretty opposite but i bet one thing we agree on and i get it a lot and i don't know if you do or if the expectations are different is I get a lot, especially on social media. Hey, asshole, stick to sports. You know, if I make an observation on Trump or I make an observation on Hannah, you know, whatever it could be left or right. It's always, Hey, asshole, stick to sports. And it seems like, it seems like there's more crossover. Like, like I'm always like, what, why do I have number one? Why do I have to stick to sports? And two, why is it bad for politics and sports to center sort of intersect a little bit? You know, why, I mean, there's a mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick. It's a perfect example. Like, there's a lot of sports in that. There's a lot of politics in that. There's a lot. Of, is that? Do you get that too, or do people expect you to be more political? And how do you feel? See, about I think that? it's the. La- well, I, th- I think it's the latter because I mean, you know, well, unlike unlike you, you know, I, I work for an overtly political website. Right. So I, I think people are not nearly as, as, as shocked or taken aback or, you know, surprised if Breitbart delves into politics or mingles politics and sports. So I, I think I think it's partially considering the source. You know, you're you're a liberal guy, but you're you happen to be a great and accomplished sports writer. So, I mean, you know, when you just happen to be a great and accomplished sports writer who mingles his politics into what he talks about, which is fine. So I think you're, you're a little bit more open and susceptible to that, whereas I am a guy who runs a sports website for a openly political, you know, family of sport of, of sites. So I, th- I think it's a little bit different. The perception is different. People expect it from me, mm-hmm. probably a, <laughs> a little bit more than they expect it from you um but but as far as it, it doesn't but I, I i don't get too much of the stick to sports stuff and i'm not really a fan of the whole stick to sports topic like like i used to work for newsbusters another conservative publication and we we had a couple of guys there who every time they wrote about sports stick to sports stick to sports you know get the politics out of sports he, here's here's the thing i don't necessarily mind politics into sports if people are if if people are going to be honest about what they believe, right. now, now, I mean, if you're going to be just like just like in writing, if you're going to editorialize, what's the first thing your editor requires you to do? He requires you to put your name in the headline, right? right? So it's it's Perlman. This sucks, right. and this is why Jeff Perlman thinks this sucks. Or Dylan or Gwyn. This is why this is terrible. Why Jeff Perlman has bad ideas, <laughs> whatever it is. Right. So so so. If, if ESPN, just for example, is going to wade into social issues, if they're going to wade into the political issues and do all those kind of things, I, I mean, it is their right to do so. It's not, it's not like as if that right doesn't exist. I think you can make a strong case that people don't go to sports for that, and they're trying to escape that. And that's one of the things sports has, has filled for people over the years. But I think you can make a strong argument for that. But if, but, but if you're bound and determined to be political, that's fine. 
but just be open and honest about who you are and what and what you believe and 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 where it's coming from and and don't allow your people to editorialize without putting their name on it so to speak all right wait let me ask you a question wait i I want to interrupt you because i'm actually i'm fascinated by this so espn catches a ton of grief over this from from conservatives i would say that when you hear about espn losing an audience you know you one of the thing you hear from the right is well look at their biased coverage and i um I feel like I want to be like, hey, but I actually don't watch ESPN very much anymore. In fact, I almost never watch ESPN anymore. <laughs> so I don't right. I feel very uneducated on this. Um, what is the what? So what I'm asking you, there's no bias here in this question. I'm actually very sincere. What is the beef with ESPN? From a conservative standpoint? Yeah, from a conservative standpoint. Oh, oh well, from a conservative standpoint, I, I think it's I, I think it's the interjection of leftist politics into their reporting, their coverage. I mean, I, I think that you know, it, it, and you can you can point to any number of different things, but I think conservatives object to a consistent pattern of of interjecting leftist politics into sports coverage. And I and I I mean a perfect example of this was, was the right after right after Trump got elected, you know, the women's march, I think, was the next day, mm-hmm. if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. ESPNW did a did a thing where they were soliciting videos from the march. They wanted they wanted the videos from 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 people from the women's march to put up on their website and and basically, you know, use their website, use ESPNW as a platform for for getting the word about out about the women's march and to and to put all these videos and all these stories up there and talk about the women's march which was a ferociously anti-trump uh phenomenon i mean it was it was not a friendly trump protest <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination now again if you're gonna do something like that okay fine but the next time there's a pro-trump uh, protest going on. If, if, if there's something that's in favor of him, if there's, there's something that supports him, you know, make sure you ask for those videos too. I mean, make sure you ask for those people. See, here's and th- and this gets back to the to the stick to sports thing and, and that whole discussion of the of the interjecting to the politics. If if you, you you have two choices, you can either editorialize and put your name on it and be open and honest about what your worldview is and what you represent and where your views are coming from. Or you give equal time. You let you let somebody who holds somebody in the sports world who holds a completely different opinion gets to come on and argue with a I don't know a, a Jamel Hill or, or whoever yeah. whoever it is who's making that point. Those are your two choices, and ESPN does neither of them, which which I think roils a lot of conservatives. But as far as as far as the anger for, towards ESPN and awful announcing, you know, I was I was a part of a panel of conservatives they, they spoke to a couple months ago about, you know, where did the right turn on ESPN? And I think that was, that was basically what they were trying to delve into. Yeah. You can, you can point to any number of things for me personally, when, when Rush Limbaugh was forced to resign in 2003 for saying something that was so empirically, obviously true. What did, about, I, I don't in, even remember. In, what did Limbaugh say? It was about Donovan. McNeil. Oh, yeah, it was about Donovan McNabb, and and Limbaugh said that there was an effort. There was the, the basically he said the media wanted a black quarterback to do well, and that there was a social concern element to the media's coverage of Donovan McNabb because they wanted to see a black quarterback do well, and that and that specifically as it pertained to the Eagles at the time, their defense was what was carrying the team, not Donovan McNabb, and that and that he. You know, he was a good quarterback, but at the same time, the media was making more out of him because they wanted they had a they had a vested interest in him doing well. Well, I mean, he was forced to resign for that. Slate ran an article, I want to say three weeks, not even three weeks later. And Slate is no bastion of right wing, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> thinking or conservatism and certainly not friendly to Rush Limbaugh in any kind of way. They ran an article in which they completely agreed with him. Absolutely. It was true. Now, Absolutely, it was true. Can't the argument see? I to me, the argument in that case. I, I, now that you bring it up, I, I remember it vividly. Actually, is you know what you hired? You know, like I always thought that was a, the ridiculous part of ESPN and Rush Limbaugh. Like, you know, this is a conservative guy. You know, he's outspoken. Yeah. Like, you know, this is what you're getting. So then to hire Rush Limbaugh and say, but don't say anything 
Why that could even be, <laughs> you know, like that's crazy. So I, I just, I always thought that was kind of ridiculous in that you hire this guy and then you pretend you're shocked when he says something that you disagree with. And I actually, I got to say, this is, this is a way of a tangent, but you know, I, back in 99, I wrote the John Rocker story for Sports Illustrated. And right. you remember the John Rocker thing with the whole, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I do not, I, I don't like Rocker. I don't agree with what he said, blah, 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 blah. But I always say like, he was suspended by Major League Baseball. And I always thought that was ridiculous because if you're going to have uh, a company with 500 different people and you want them to speak out and you want them to be accessible to the media, you can't expect them all to share your views. You know, they're not all going to feel like you do about everything. They're not going to have your, your yes. liberal ideas or your conservative. They're not going to share your beliefs. So I, I always am very, I always find it awkward when places bust someone for not being politically correct when you encourage them to speak do you know what i mean exactly well and especially when they're a known entity before you even bring them in here exactly. i mean rush limbaugh was the most popular force in in talk radio it's not like this guy was so right, right, like right. He was what are we getting known. here that's where we're getting here <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly no i i agree with you 100 percent. And I, and I would agree with it if it was a liberal guy that they brought in i mean right. i mean if they bring in a liberal guy and he says something nutty you know, I mean, again, he's been saying this for, for 20 years, and that's probably why you even know who he is, because of his popularity that he, and his fame and his fortune that he amassed while saying these types of things. So, I mean, just to sit there and, you know, engage in pearl clutching and all this other garbage when that stuff happens, it's just so disingenuous. It's like, it's like basically the executives are admitting, listen, we wanted your Twitter followers. We wanted your web right. presence. We wanted the eyeballs you would bring to the screen. We just really didn't want you. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, right. If you, if you, you know what would have made this perfect? If you would have left you outside and it just stood there, you know, or, or been a cardboard, been, been the human equivalent of a cardboard cutout or something like that, then, then this whole thing would have worked so well. And it's just such a, it's such a executive studio, executive suit type thing that just makes me angry yeah i actually agree <laughs> i, I like see that that. At all. that i understand that we yeah. uh we would agree do you um i'm staring at a picture of him that's why i asked this when when a guy like kurt schilling becomes the face of conservative values in sports or the outspoken conservative guy and he's kind of a moron in the same way there are a lot of moron athletes who rev <laughs> are you like cringing you're like please don't make this guy do you know like i just every time i heard schilling <laughs> speak I thought to myself, there have to be a ton of people on the right who are just like, please shut up. Please stop representing. I don't want people to think you're our guy. I don't. Oh, well, I, I, I don't know anybody on, on the right who who's who's hankering for Kurt Schilling to shut up. I mean, I think I think I understand why you're hankering for him to shut up. But, but I, I don't know anybody. I don't, I don't know anybody at Breitbart and certainly anybody on our side of the aisle who's wanting Kurt Schilling to shut up. I, I don't. Is he the is he really the face of well, I, I thought Clay Travis was the face of of right wing sports right now. Well, I feel oh, yeah. Well, I guess a former athlete. I feel like there aren't that many. Yeah. Aren't that yeah. many outspoken conservative athletes, you know? Um, oh no, no, yeah. no, no, no! And 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 I think, well, I mean, him, him and Ditka, I mean, we're basically it for like yeah. a long time there. And right now, I mean, I don't even, yeah, it, it, that's 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 essentially what you're dealing with. No, I I think I think Kurt is, and he's obviously with, you know with working with Breitbart now and everything. He's just got such a He's got such an incredible story, man. I mean, just, you know, because it's so rare for conservative athletes to speak, you know, openly. I mean, they just don't. And I think there are any number of reasons why they don't. But they, t they tend to just not do it. And, and Kurt, you know, I mean, say what you will about the content of what he's actually saying. And I'm sure you don't agree with it. But, but I, 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 I love... I love hearing him because I'm like, okay, there's one of our guys and he went through this stuff and he was this unbelievable player. And he's got one of those great iconic sports moments in history of the bloody sock. You know, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's real, you know, for people on my side of the aisle to look at somebody like that and hear him speak because it's like, wow, you, you, it's so rare and you just don't get that. I guess so. The thing about Schilling is when I was covering major league baseball, Everyone knew he was kind of full of shit. Like, like, not full of shit. There are guys in sports. This is not a political statement. This is a fact about that. Like, there are guys in sports, as there probably are in entertainment and politics and blah, 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 who think they are significantly more intelligent than they are and like showing you how intelligent oh, they are. This crosses yeah, the spectrum yeah. of politics. And I always thought when it came to baseball, he was kind of 
that guy. So when I hear him holding court on politics, I always think, I don't know if this is the guy I would want being my mouthpiece. But I think sort of there aren't that many guys standing up for the job. You know, so I well, know. well, well, there are. And I, by the way, I've only I've only exchanged emails with Kurt. I've actually never met him face to face. So, I mean, he's been he's been totally cool to me. I, right. I don't I don't I don't know about any about any of that aspect of him. All all I know is that for for us on our side of the aisle, it's very cool to have not not just a former athlete because we we had athletes who have right. spoken out about conservative beliefs before, but I have a star. Yeah. Have a star, like a bona fide, in your face star athlete, right? Come out and speak like that is just so cool. Yeah, I can respect that. So, um, what is your what is your approach here? Like you, you wake up in the morning, and are you like how are you finding what you want to write about? How do you go about this? What is the process for you? Well, my, my process is a little little bit different than than I guess my predecessor's process. My outlook is a little bit different. Like, like you know, when I when I took over for Daniel, Daniel would put a lot more straight sports into the site than I will. Mm-hmm. Me, I I really do look for the political edge first and and foremost, and I prioritize that in a huge huge way. And if we get off the political edge, it's more of just the 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 stuff that grabs attention and grabs you know grabs headlines. That's that's what we look for, because I feel like you know i I think people want to be entertained it's not just it's not just about hearing something they politically believe in or something like that they want to be entertained they want to read about that crazy oh my god did you see that story kind of thing so we you know we we have those kinds of stories and my background is obviously in talk radio so i don't i don't look for stories the way most people do like i when i came to breitbart i think i was aware of more websites than most people were aware of because I had done show prep mm-hmm. based on all these sports sites that nobody had ever heard of. Like, 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 like at Breitbart, I don't think anybody had heard of the big lead. I don't think that was even on anybody's radar. Right. Um, you know, awful announcing, uh, you know, all, all these different places, Barstool, you know, place, places like that, that, that nobody really knew about. So I was able to kind of come in and look in different places for political sports news and find it in, you know, mostly liberal sites, a liberal perspective and present it to people. So, so we weren't just covering the huge story, like the Colin Kaepernick Mm -hmm. or something like that. We were also getting just like the subtle stuff. (laughs) We were, we were getting this daily drumbeat of, of, of of subtle stuff too, uh, to, to kind of buttress the big stories. So I think, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, how am I going to conquer the left today? How are we going to do it? And I and I get all fired up and I go into my I go into my same websites that I used to go to when I when I would do show prep. I, I go to those same places. It really hasn't changed. I just amass all this information and then I you know I look at my group of writers and I'm like, okay, who can handle this? Who's best suited for that? You know, this is something I better take on myself or or whatever and that's how i just kind of kind of divvy it out but i probably go to like 20 or 25 websites a day right. um pro football talk is a huge one i mean we, we they i don't think a day goes by that they don't do something on kaepernick so i mean we we go there a lot we go uh, hardball talk we've we've gone we've gone there several times i mean just you know we we put it together that way and i and i think it's cool because I, that wasn't really happening before i got there right you see you said something interesting you said sort of conquering the left and i you know there's something that like <laughs> well no i know i you know like there's something that like hurts my i'm being sincere and this is going to make me sound like some pussy like liberal but like it's it's <laughs> like i hate you know i hate i've hated msnbc for a long time I do not like watching MSNBC. Right. I do not enjoy it. I don't like Fox News. Like, You're not alone. I know I'm not. <laughs> but I'm, And I don't like Fox News, and I'm not alone in that either. You know, And I hate... All right, like, you and I, with two guys talking on the phone, I'm sure if we went out for coffee, we'd have a good time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's yeah. something that is happening here. Um, and it's happening on both sides. I, I'm not blaming Breitbart. I'm not blaming... It's happening where it's like, we have to win. Or we have to show them. And these, like libtard. I've heard libtard a million times. I'm sure there's some synonym, <laughs> some similar one for the right that, you, you know, people use, whatever it is. Right. And, like, and, like, I don't understand why we're all so insanely angry. And I don't really see how it's helping anything. Like, it's, it just seems like it's a lot of it is for entertainment. 
but we're just beating the shit out of each other nonstop. And like the truth of the matter is if you and I hung out, it'd probably be a good time, you know, like, but we spend so much time beating the shit mm -hmm. out of each other and proving the other side wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. Where does this even end? You know, like, how does this work out? How is this good for us? Well, I think, I think two things are going on. I think number one, it depends on how you're relating to the other person. Like, for example, you bring up the coffee analogy. Yeah. If, if you and I were at a coffee shop right now, as long as it's not Starbucks, I'm, I'm not a fan of that place. But, but if, we're, if, we're, if we were at some other coffee, a good old fashioned Dunkin' Donuts, that's what great. Love it. Then I think you and you and I would have an awesome time. And that, and that's, and that's not even debatable. And, and that would be the case for a lot of people. A lot of conservatives and liberals would have an awesome time. The problem is, and I really blame the media for this, um, in, in a, in a big way two well, two things happen. I think at some point in the, in, in the mid to late nineties, politics changed. It was no longer enough to defeat your opponent based on his ideas. You had to personally destroy him. Right. Uh, that was, that was, you know, the, 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 the politics of personal destruction, which was a, a quote that Dick Gephardt used to throw around a lot. Right back in the nineties and he applied and I, I think he was as guilty of it as anybody, sure. but he, but he kind of coined, he kind of coined the phrase. So I think you had politicians went after each other as people, as opposed to just representatives of ideas. That was a big change. The other thing that changed is that media became a huge freaking business. I mean, this, this is not, you know, the, the not, I'm not just talking about the explosion in cable, cable news and stuff like that, which was obvious, but, 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 but talk radio, the internet changed everything. I mean, the, the Twitter, social media, you know, it, it was no longer enough just, I'm Dylan Gwynn and I, I would like to see the capital gains tax lowered. Thank you very much. I'll, I'll, I'd appreciate your vote. It was, it was like, I'm Dylan Gwynn. I want the capital gains tax lowered. Jeff Perlman's running against me. He wants your kids to die. Right. Like, like that was, that was what it turned into. So you have, you have, you have the politics of personal destruction mixed in with this with this huge influx of millions and millions of voices from lay people and from from politicians and everybody alike and celebrities and you can't get noticed in that world unless you say something incredible and unless you unless you torch somebody in some way that's what gets attention in that world so the politics of personal destruction amplified a million times over by Twitter and social media and cable news and all these things. And now, and now we have this, this current reality where it's not enough that you and I disagree. You are evil. You are, you represent evil incarnate and you must be defeated. You know, uh, other, otherwise there's no hope for humanity or what, whatever the case may be. And it, and it changed us, I think. And it, and it changed us into much more of, of a, of an attack, a personal attack kind of mode. And, you know, I mean, our, our, everybody's guilty of it. Everybody, everybody does it on, on, on both sides of the aisle. I think when I say, when I say conquer the left, I'm talking about conquering ideas. Right. I'm talking about conquering the, the ideas that I feel are wrongly formed and not consistent with the founding of the, of the, of the country and, and the natural order, all these kinds of things. I'm not talking about Jeff Perlman. Right. And, and I think that, I think that's a distinction that I've held on to, but I think a lot of people have not. A lot of a lot of people have kind of forgotten that. And, you know, I'd like to see us go back to it, but I, I don't I don't know. The horse might have bolted the barn, man. Right. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how you slam the brakes on, on the Titanic and miss the iceberg. I I feel like I feel like the ship has sailed and I'm I'm running out of cliches. So I mean it's I feel like it might be too late. It's just weird. Line. I mean we it's it's weird how like I always say like we we turn our political figures into these like like animated cartoon characters where it's like they're either good or they're bad. Like Donald Trump is evil, Barack Obama is evil, you know, Mike Pence is evil, Joe Biden is evil. Like it's it's become really black and white. You know, like you and I, we oh, can yeah. have a disagreement on Colin Kaepernick. Like I think Colin Kaepernick deserves a job in the NFL. I think it's very strange that he doesn't have a job somewhere. You disagree with that. Mm -hmm. Like that's cool. Like, so, you know what I mean? Like, why is that so bad that we do not agree on an issue? Why is that a problem? Well, yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's, I mean, that, 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 I, I, I think that, that that's the result of the politics, of personal destruction. That's the, that's the result of, 
of, of this environment that we're in, right? It's not enough that, you know, we just have differing opinions. You have to be evil and, and you have to be defeated. Otherwise, you know, the world ends. And, and I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I, I understand it, but I don't, I don't get it. And I don't, I don't approve of it. And I wish we could go back, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I, I want to see my side win in the arena of ideas. And, and I think, and I'm going to go a little bit religious on this one too, mm-hmm. because I feel like to, to an extent this, that, that people are less and less religious all the time. I, I, I feel the country's gone trended that way mm-hmm. for, for several years. And I think when people had, and this is not, this is not an argument for Christianity. This is an argument for religion in general. When people had reverence for higher authorities, when people had reverence for things other than this world, it was easier for them to not lionize and put too much faith in their politicians. When, when, when people had their eyes focused on God more, whatever that God was, with Hindu God, Jewish God, Christian God, whatever, whatever it is, when they were looking beyond the earthly realm, people held other people accountable because you saw the warts, you saw the failings, you didn't lionize them, you were focused on something else. And when people, when, when, when people got away from that, you see people investing so much in Hillary Clinton emotion, not, not just, not just in what she believes, but, but in her as a person and the same thing with Donald Trump, not just in what he believes, but in, but in his persona and his essence and his, you know, him as an entity, almost, almost godlike, you know, like, like this, this fascination some people have with these politicians. And I'm like, you know, 50 years ago, People, politicians were, 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 were thought of as being, you know, next to used car salesmen and the whole totem pole of untrustworthiness. But now I feel like because we've gotten away from reverence for higher powers, I feel like we're in a spot where people started lionizing politicians and, and putting faith in political parties and things like that because they had lost it somewhere else. And that is just that I mean, my God, that's that's the worst thing anybody could do. <laughs> I mean, obviously, obviously, our politicians are flawed, uh, no matter which side of the aisle you look at. Right. That's an interesting. As an agnostic Jew, I got to I got to chew over on that one, but I'm gonna I'm gonna chew on it. And think about it. I will. It's an interesting. It's an interesting take because you are right. We it used to be. I do agree with you. Like it used to be like oh, Jimmy Carter. He's a crappy president. You know what I mean? Or yeah. That's it. That's yeah. as far as it went. He's a crappy president. I don't, I don't hate his gut and loathe him and hope he dies. I just think he's a crappy president. You know, like there's a, I'm speaking for you. I assume you thought he was a crappy president, but But I'm saying like, you are right. Like it has, it has gone very personal and very, I don't know. It's weird. Um, let me go on a different yeah. subject here because you, uh, I feel like for you and yours, Colin Kaepernick is like catnip times a thousand. Am I wrong on that? Are you just like you know more what? Kaepernick? The, the next, the next article I write, I was going to be Colin Catnip. Yeah, very what, nice. That's the headline. I'm, I'm taking that. Why do you think this story has set? Like, it's a he was a mediocre quarterback, except for a couple of years. He's out of the league. Maybe that's part of it. Obviously, um, he decided to kneel during the anthem. Didn't seem like that big of a deal. You know, like in and of itself, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Maybe I'm off. Like, why do you think this story? Now, A, why do you think this story carries so much? And B, what do you, at Breitbart, like as a sports editor at Breitbart, how do you approach it? Well, I, I think it's a big deal. I, I do think it's a big deal um, because you're, you're talking about talking about the anthem that's intensely, regardless of, of, of Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, whatever, that's an intensely personal and passionate issue to a lot of people. So I, I do think, and especially football fans, which tend to trend conservative yes. and, and, and are you know, very patriotic. So I, I do think it's a big deal. Um, I, but, but here's the thing. If Colin Kaepernick had just you know, sat or knelt and never opened his mouth, if he had done a Marshawn Lynch, you know, and, and sit for the anthem and not stick around to talk to reporters afterwards, which right. is the, one of the silliest things I've ever seen in my life. But, you know, if he had done it like that, I don't think it would have been as bad. The problem was is that as, as soon as he was as soon as the story broke and I think it was it was uh, 
was it Frank Weich or somebody NFL Network did the did the first sit down with him, you know, post protest to get his, you know, kind of pretext for why he was doing this. And he immediately just, I mean, mercilessly lashed into the country racial oppression this country oppresses black people it oppresses minorities it keeps us down and then there was the pig socks remember don't don't forget about the pig socks that was in that early that that early time frame too so i I think it wasn't just the kneeling it was what he was saying but why is it it wrong for him to have that opinion um i well i do think he's wrong no i I understand that i'm not saying right or wrong i'm saying why is it wrong for him any more than Kurt Schilling or anyone to express his opinion on the matter. Well, okay, but 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 here, but the, I think this gets back into the 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 manner in which he's expressing his opinion. It, because because look, the the opinion that this country oppresses black people that that is not a new opinion. Colin mm-hmm. Kaepernick did not invent that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is that has been an opinion that's been held by a lot of people in this country. What he did though, and this was his mistake, and this is why I think the anthem kneeling is a big deal is because the way he chose to express it was incredibly offensive to a lot of people. There's a lot of, if if he had just gone out there and done an interview with NFL Network and said, you know what, I think this country, you know, screw Hillary Clinton, screw Donald Trump. I think this country oppresses black people and has for years and it's built on slavery and all this other kind of stuff. If he had just said that, okay, yeah, that's going to get some headlines and that's going to, that's going to get some run. But, but when he went out there and made it about the flag, that's, See, see, that's when that's when you lose people, because most people don't believe a lot. Most people believe and I could be wrong about this, Mm -hmm. but I still think most people believe that this is a this is a great country with some problems, not a great problem with a country. And people don't like to think that their country is inherently evil. What they want to think is that there are some things we could fix and that there are some things that could be better and there were some things that happened in the past that were, yes, bad, and we understand these things, but we're not evil, and we're not bad people, and we're not a bad country. And, and, and our country's not founded on you know, these kind of things, and we're not that kind of thing. And, and Colin Kaepernick basically said, yeah, you are, and you're, not, and you're not seeing it. I'm here to make you look at it, and, and you know, you're just not seeing it for what it is, and that offended people. And then you you know you throw in the Castro um, you know the Castro T-shirt and all that stuff afterwards. He just kept adding to it. So I I think I think it was a big deal. It is a big deal, and that's why I mean honestly that's why he's not in the league. I mean he's look his statistically as a quarterback his performance on the field he is good enough Factually. to be in the NFL. Fact, he oh, should yeah, be starting yeah, for the Jets right now. It's ridiculous. Well, in that regard. Football-wise, football-wise, well, we well, have Jeff, I, Yeah, Jeff, I actually could be starting for the Jets yeah, right now. So, yeah, I mean. You might be. You might be. A yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting on my call, actually. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering. If it's, it's getting kind of close to week one. I'm yeah. wondering what they're waiting on. But, but no, he, he, could be, he absolutely could start for several teams. He could start for Jacksonville. He could start for the Jets. And I'm sure if I sat down and made a list, I could come up with a couple more. The problem is, and he's good enough for that. The problem is good enough is not good enough for Colin Kaepernick because just like in any any business in the world, you have to be better than your baggage. You have it's like LaShawn McCoy was was dead on about this. Mm-hmm. You have to be better than your baggage. If you're working like let's go back to your days of Sports Illustrated. I mean, if, if you're working in a, in a in a Sports Illustrated newsroom with a writer who who infuriates everybody around him. And I know it's hard for people to conceptualize this because we all work from home now and nobody actually interacts with anybody except on your computer. But go back to a different when people were actually all in a business together and all like in a room together. If you had a guy who was a complete and total just horse's ass and terrible and sucked at his job, he'd be gone. There's no question about it. But but if he's a horse's ass and he's out there, you know, making deals and making the company money and doing these kinds of things, he's going to he's going to they're going to retain him because it's it's about the bottom line. I think Colin Kaepernick is 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 fine as a is a as a quarterback. He's statistically good enough to be in the NFL, but he's not good enough to justify all that all that hate and baggage that he brings with him. That's why he's not in the league. And, Do you think look, if it were Tom is, Brady, is, you think if it were Tom Brady or 
I don't know, Andrew Luck or Russell Wilson. I'm not saying because of race. I'm saying because of skill. If it, if it were a top yeah. five NFL quarterback, it would have been tolerated. Uh, oh, Jeff, Tom Brady could probably light the flag on fire at the yeah. 50 yard line. It would still be. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, again, that, that goes back to it. Do you make up for it? Do you do you account for your baggage? And 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 Tom Brady does. Absolutely. Look at Ben Ro- Okay, Ben Roethlisberger, perfect example. Ben Roethlisberger got himself mixed up in a terrible incident. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, was it eight two thousand eight? I think it was. Yeah, right, maybe, right. maybe I'm wrong. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten, whatever. The 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 rape allegation and all that that happened in Georgia. That was. I mean, I mean, that was a really really bad thing. I mean, there was there was credibility to that. I mean, the, the story from the girl, the witnesses who saw how upset she was and all that stuff, it, it, it really looked bad. Right. Do you think Ben Roethlisberger would have survived that if he hadn't won a Super Bowl? Well, that's I, the thing. I, I'm, I'm... But that's an interesting point because the, the thing, you know, I keep thinking is there are how many, you know, throughout sports, how many guys are there who abused a woman? who beat a kid, who a million different things. And the mantra always is in America, we give people a second chance. And this one seems to have crossed the line, even though he didn't hurt anyone, you know, he didn't physically hurt anyone. And I just find it weird how, I mean, the NFL is Greg Hardy, you know, well, the people who get, well, well, the people who get second chances normally are good at what they do. Right. I mean, like, listen, why did, why did Jerry Jones sign Greg Hardy? Exactly. Well, the year the year before the year before Greg Hardy got got in trouble, he had eleven sacks. If I, if memory serves, I mean, and he and he needed a pass rusher. But we're so, more I mean, offended. I, I, we are more offended by Colin Kaepernick kneeling and speaking out than we are Greg Hardy beating the crap out of a woman. Like that's crazy. No, no, no. I think I think it's I think it's the opposite. I I I don't think it's about the severity of their crimes. It's about how good they were at what they were doing, and does that justify it? I think Greg Hardy was a guy, and, and I disagreed obviously with his mm-hmm. signing. I wasn't a fan of that move, and I bashed it on the radio when I was on the radio, and I, I, I would again today. But but you could look at it and say, okay, he's taking a chance on him because he's a really good player. Why did Michael Vick get another chance? Because he went to three Pro Bowls. You know what I mean? So so it's not it's not so much about the severity of the crime, and he he killed a dog, and he beat a woman, and this that or the other or he protested the anthem it's about do you make up for it and 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 i i don't i don't see cabin you said it yourself i mean he had a couple above mediocre seasons but let's be honest about this too when they went to the super bowl that was a defensive football team the offense was good i'm not saying kaepernick was he was very good that year he was good that year, but that 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 team won with their defense. They were they were not an offensive juggernaut by any stretch of the imagination, and and that's and that's how they really got there. I mean, he yes, he had a he was a big part of it, and he had a good performance, but he wasn't Brady. I mean, he wasn't well, he wasn't anything like that. Right. No, no, nobody is. But he wasn't even. And there's some other quarterbacks that I don't think he probably measured up to either. But the point being, I don't think he's ever had a 4,000 yard passing season in his career, has he? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I got look. I don't. I, I mean, I think that's kind of the benchmark. I mean, you know, it, it used to be 3,000, you know, but but now it's 4,000. You know, that that kind of benchmark for the superior elite level quarterbacks, and I don't think he's ever achieved that. I'm pretty sure he hasn't. So I mean, I, I listen, listen, He just did not make up for it, and that's the long and short of it. Right. I mean, it really, it really is. It's just, and he hurt, he hurts himself all the time. My God, has there been anybody? Do you like? Do you? Let me ask you. Hmm. Do you really believe that he wants to come back in the league? That's a great question. I actually don't know, but I'll tell you something. He because look, he lost me good. a lot when he said he didn't vote. That's when I was like, okay, oh, God. you know, I'd come on, oh yeah, yeah. And I think he hurt his credibility in a major way when he well, said, "Well, Jeff, he, vote. he wasn't even registered. He wasn't even registered to vote." Yeah. All right. So, so I mean, it, it, yeah, we did that sort. You know, he he wasn't even registered to vote. I mean, it it's when you go out there and you put out a tweet, and I forget exactly how he phrased this or what what the graphic was, but after the Philando Castile you know, a uh, verdict came out mm-hmm. and he says, and he, and he equates cops with slave catchers. You, okay, now put aside the politics behind that. Does somebody who tweets that want to play in the national football league or yeah. do they care if they don't? Yeah. It's There's an interesting no question. Yeah, you might be right. He can't be, he can't be that dumb. He I can't, don't know. He can't be 
<laughs> Look, I mean, I, I, I have serious issues with his political beliefs, but he can't be that dumb to yeah. think to think that that that's something that somebody wants a job in the NFL does. No yeah, way. That's an interesting one. Um, let me ask you this: Do you um, are you allowed at Breitbart? I mean, could you be like, I want to do a piece on Donald Trump as the worst USFL owner of all time? This is I'm throwing something out there. You know, Donald Trump and how he ruined the USFL. Like, is that sort of like, no, we're not, we're not doing that at Breitbart. You know, like, can you, is there any flexibility in where you want to take it? Or is there, does the political, the, you know, the dogma sort of guide where you can go with these stories 100%. No, there's, well, there's, there's tremendous flexibility now. And I'm sure this is the case in most news organizations. I mean, you have to, if you're going to do a, a, a pure opinion piece, it's not going to be, you know, not going to be 100% news. Then you have to talk to your editors. Mm-hmm. And then that's, and that's, that's, look, I have guys who talk to me about that. And I talk to people above me about that. So, I mean, that's the same as it is in any news organization, but I mean, look, Breitbart has been very critical of the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. I mean, Breitbart, I mean, we, we have, you know, when, when, when he <laughs> steps out of line, I don't know whatever we want to use the term, but when he goes back on a campaign promise, we're all over it. I mean, it's not, not everything that comes out of, you know, us when it, when it regarding Trump is all rainbows and butterflies. I mean, it's, you know, sometimes we hit him pretty hard and people in the administration, I mean, McMasters and, you know, we've written a ton of stuff on him. I mean, it, it's just, you know, we have we have been critical. Now, if I were to if I were to approach somebody about that, I mean, I would have to say, why do we need this piece? I mean, like, like is 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 there an anniversary coming up? I mean, is is it the anniversary of the failing of the U.S. Valley? I mean, there has to be a reason for it. There has to yeah. be a context for it. I don't know that. I don't know that. I would be countenance just to deliver a massive broadside at, at Trump's, you know, uh, track record in the USFL. But if I could, if I could provide a reasonable context for it, like this is this is why we need it, and this is why it's pertinent, and this is why people will like it, then yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my my, my editors are, are pretty open minded guys, so I mean, it's uh, it's 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 doable. It's. I mean, it may not be what they would want, but, right. but I mean, at the same time, they're not going to stifle creativity if your creativity can be justified by by you know what actually makes sense to write. Right. Are you enjoying? Are you enjoying the Trump administration? Like, is this like? Because you know, <laughs> I'm being honest. Every day I wake up and I'm like, oh, uh, that's a noise I make. Oh, that's, I read the tweets. I I do that noise. Uh, <laughs> Are you like, this is the best thing ever? I'm so happy. <laughs> you know, the first thing I do when I wake up is I'm like, oh, Jeff Perlman, your tears are so tasty. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> that's, that's actually the first thought yeah, that comes right. to my mind. No, I, 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 listen, I'll say this. I'm enjoying it a lot more than I would the alternative. Right. I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely tell you that. Does he do everything I want him to do? Uh, no, I mean, no, no, not at all. And this is another example where Breitbart's been critical. Where is our wall? You know, I mean, where where is our wall? Where I mean, we we heard about this wonderful wall. We've heard that another country is going to pay for it. Where is it? Oh yeah, was he? You know, we've written. Did it. you know? I mean, here's a serious question. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to go too pol- too political, but I'm really fascinated. Like, sure. Good. During the election, he's he's saying the wall and. Yeah, I'm, I'm against the whole thing, but whatever. He's saying the wall, and he's saying, and Mexico is going to pay for it. And I remember there was one point where uh, I, th- I think it was Vincente Fox said, you know, there's no way we're building that wall. And Donald Trump goes, it just got 10 feet higher. And people went crazy, <laughs> right? And he probably said 200 times Mexico is paying for this wall. And yeah. everyone I know is like, this is bullshit. He's not paying for the wall. Like, they're not paying for Maybe you'll build the wall. I mean, I guess that's possible. But they're not paying for the wall. Like... Yeah. Didn't you think the same thing? Like Mexico's not paying. Yeah. Well, that's insane. No, I, I, I never ever entertained the notion that Mexico would pay for the wall. So why is it okay? I mean, I said it a million times. That's what I don't understand. I feel like the expectation. Well, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I'm no. I, I think, I think, I think what it was is, is, is that you know the the whole and I love that ten feet higher thing. That was, oh that my was God. perfect. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think that was, I, I think it was metaphorical. I don't, I don't think. The, obviously, you know what, what he meant to say 
was that we're going to build ourselves a really big, freaking beautiful wall that is going to keep us safe from from criminal illegal aliens and it's going to make the country better. And, you know, I mean, he's he's saying it, obviously, with his own flair and saying things that I think he knows probably were not grounded in reality. And 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 that that's just that's just his style, man. I don't know. I know. I know. It's so funny. You know, I mean, there's never we've never had a president. We One thing I bet we'd agree on. We've never had a president. Where people, I'm not including you, but I'm saying people who support him say, I think what the president meant was, like, that is like, you could attach, <laughs> that should be his vanity license plate, like, ring. I think well, well, ring. we've, we've had it, we, yeah, I don't oh, know. Oh, come we, on. We, 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 we've, we've, we've had, the, I don't know, it depends on what the meaning of is, is. I mean, we, we've had it in a legal standpoint before. We've sure. had it in, you know, in, in impeachment trials and, sure. well, that's you know, true. That's uh, a good point. That's a fair scandal. Point. Right, scandal and controversy i don't think we've ever had it like like on as a campaign speech like what right. did he mean by right. that? so but, but i mean isn't it, it is kind of fun isn't it oh I my mean, god listen no. i don't i i don't agree oh come on no holy shit no. 20 years from now 20 in fact forget 20 years from now 10 years from now you're gonna look back and you're gonna be like you know what I lived through the most completely inexplicable crazy time ever, and I can there, I, no nobody will be able to take this away from me, and I will be able to tell future generations that I lived that I lived through the presidency of Donald Trump, and and that it it was unlike anything we've experienced ever in the history of this country, and not just some, I mean I'm, we've had some eccentric presidents and eccentric yeah, sure. leaders before, but but in the age of Twitter. And the age of, of media being, I mean, has there ever been a more perfect union in the history of the world than Donald Trump at this particular moment in media history where where he has unfettered access to the to millions and, and, and people who will just, you know, fawn all over it and cover it until the sun comes out and just reaches into every area of your life and every area of your home? I don't. I mean, I. I really don't think that this is this. This is the perfect marriage of man and moment, and I. And I. And I. And I hope that it yields good things. I think the the, the thing that the thing that distresses me. And no, he hasn't done everything I want him to do, mm-hmm. but he has done a lot of things that I did want him to do. Right. You know, I mean, he's been really good about about getting the MS thirteen. Uh, thugs out of the country mm-hmm. he's been he's been really good in iraq i mean you look at what's happened in iraq since he's t- since he's become president and there isis is 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 very much on the run i'm not saying you know i'm not saying mission accomplished but i mean it, it's certainly a lot better than it was when he took over um you know there there's a lot of good there on the national security front that i think he's done and and the the raise act with the immigration I, which obviously is popular on my side of the aisle with, with bringing in you know hi, uh, higher skilled uh legal immigrants and things like that i mean that's that's good but the problem with him though is that he doesn't talk about that stuff I mean, he really doesn't ever it's always you know it, it it's it's fake news this and it's fake news that and it's you know, Jim Acosta's an a-hole, and right. <laughs> what, what, whatever it is, he doesn't talk. And, and, and this is such a weird dichotomy. For a man who talks as much as he does, he doesn't talk up the good things that he does. He seems incapable the thi- in a weird way. The thi- well, yeah, because, because he's, he's, you know what he is? He's moth to flame when it comes to the fight. He's a confrontational guy. L- look, at, look at his upbringing. Real estate in New York. The guy grew up around construction workers. Right. He his father his father owned this massive company, and he grew up going to these job sites in Queens and the Bronx and Brooklyn, and hanging out with really tough dudes, and just kind of you know learning that language and learning how to walk it and talk it. And 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 he when 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 CNN comes after him or whoever is coming after him in the media, he will forget all the good things that he has done, and he will directly attack them because that's what he is. He's confrontational, go get him kind of guy. And I think in in, in that sense, it's hurt him in a bit because the people on my side of the aisle who are inclined to reelect him would like him to talk a lot more about you know Gorsuch in the, in the Supreme Court. They would like him to talk more about. 
about ending DACA, which is now finally happening. They, they would like him to talk more about the Rays Act, more about getting MS-13 out, uh, out of the country. They, these are the things we'd like to hear about, but we don't because he's too busy. He's too busy going after CNN. You know, I'll, <laughs> whatever, I'll, whatever I'll, it is. I'll make this sort of the, the, the last area, actually, is um, I actually really hate the fake news thing, the, the whole hashtag, the whole movement. And it drives mm. me crazy, and here's why. Number one, and I'm sure you agree with me. Like, there are a lot of good reporters out here who are just busting their asses and trying their best. And there sure. are, factory, from the New York Times or Washington Post to the Wall Street Journal to the New York Post to Breitbart to MSNBC. There are, I still believe most reporters are just trying to do their best and report stories. And, yeah, there's bias. There's crap on both sides. There's no doubt about it. You could say there's more on the left. I probably agree with you. But there's a ton of bias out there. I mean, there's, a, there's generally good reporters doing stuff. What really pisses me off and drives me crazy is just as an example here. He recently said that the head of the Boy Scouts called him to tell him how great his speech was at the Jamboree. And he didn't, <laughs> that was bullshit. It was a lot. Like, he literally didn't make that call. Like, and there are, and you know this, a yeah. million examples of that sort of stuff. And it's so weird to me that you keep calling out fake news, fake news, fake news, lying CNN, lying the New York, failing New York Times, on and on and on. When you're full of shit, too. And it just like, as a member of the media, yeah. I'm not kidding about this. I don't like <clears throat> when people bash conservative reporters any more than I do liberal. I, I believe in the media as an entity, flaws and all. You know, and I do not like, I don't like it. Right. I don't know. I'll give well, you the last well, word. I, well, I, I think if I, if I can sum it up this way, I agree with you. There are good people in the media who are just trying to do their job. See, but, but, this, but this goes back to the, con- to the conception of what bias in media really is. It's not active. It's passive. You're, you, I, don't, I don't believe for a second that there are reporters in the New York Times and the Washington Post who wake up every day talking about how they can lie about conservatives and lie about the right and lie about Breitbart and Donald Trump and all those other kinds of things. The problem is it's already their worldview. It's not a it's it, it's it's like Bernie Goldberg said in the book bias when he wrote about the bias of CBS. It's it's not a conscious act. It's your it's 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 a worldview that you're taking to the workplace. And the and that worldview ends up manifest because because so many people are liberal who get into media, that worldview ends up manifesting in their work. And basically, I, I don't think that anybody wakes up in the morning, whether whoever you work for, whether you work for Breitbart or the New York Times, I don't, I don't think anybody wakes up and I'm going to go out there and, and cover something in a biased way. It, what, what happens is you have people who have been people who have been brought up in the media culture, people who have gone to liberal universities and liberal professors and liberal institutions, and they bring that worldview to the workplace. So so, again, I, I feel like. I feel like I could pick apart any piece and in the Washington Post, New York Times, no matter where it is, in a piece that wasn't even supposed to be political and in the minds of the reporter wasn't political and show him five different instances of where, you know, they injected politics into it. And that and they would probably be shocked and they would call me a liar because in their minds. It's not liberal. It's not political. It's just what is. Donald Trump's a liar. This is what he is. He is a liar. Republicans are racist. Conservatives are racist. Re- re- Republicans want school lunches taken away. They want they want kids to starve. Everybody knows that, Dylan. That's not even a question. Global warming. Nobody even questions this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So they, they bring that worldview that's been unchallenged their entire lives, I think, for the most part, because it's certainly they're certainly not getting challenged by conservatives in 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 the universities or anywhere like that so they they come in unchallenged with this worldview and that's what manifests in the news and that's really what bias is it's not an active interjection of politics it's passive but would you see that conservatively in the i don't know foxnews.com wall street journal would you could you read an article they do and say ah here's conservative bias or no um, well, I, I think, no, sure, sure. I mean, you, I, I think you could pick it out. There, there are probably some instances where somebody who's conservative is writing something that's not supposed to be, uh, you know, political and they, and they might, they might interject that in there. But I, I think by and large, conservatives are more careful about that kind of thing. Cause there's two, there's two different reasons for why people get into media. I mean, some people get into media because they want to change the world. Some people get into media because they want to report the news. Mm-hmm. And I think you find probably more conservatives on the report the news side of it. I could be wrong about that. That could be my own bias. I don't know. But I'll, I'll say this. 
if you're a conservative who writes for the Wall Street Journal or New York Post or, or any of these outlets that tend to be a little bit more conservative, you have been challenged. If you went to journalism school at a major university, you've had your ideas challenged. You've, you've faced that. You had liberal professors. You had liberal classmates. You, you probably got ostracized. You probably didn't go to a, get invited to a few parties. There, you, you, you have had that in your life. So you're probably a lot more you're probably a lot more careful and you're probably a lot more you know diplomatic about how you get your ideas across than somebody who has never been challenged and states things as if they are facts and states things as if they are already known without even accounting for somebody else's opinion. Conservatives have to account for other people's opinions because they've been challenged by other people's opinions. Liberals haven't been challenged for the most part for the most part, haven't been challenged. And that's why so much of what liberal writers in the New York Times, so much of what they put out comes off as being so overtly political because they're speaking completely, you know, without regard and unhinged because that's what they've been used to their entire lives. You know, Dylan, you sound like a, uh, a snowflake. I just wanted to say that. I've always wanted to call it. I've been called it 800 times. I finally wanted to break that out, man. Thank you. <laughs> That felt good. Wait, hold on. That felt so good. Ah. Uh, (laughs) Listen, Dylan, I um, I mean, sincere here. I agree with you on about 4% of of all things, but I Mm -hmm. uh, have very much respect for you. And I appreciate you doing this. I love these dialogues. And uh, I hope uh, hope the hurricane treats you relatively well down there in Houston. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I know that that, that's coming. Jeff, I got to tell you, man, this has been so much fun. And And it's really awesome to be able to talk to somebody who's open-minded enough to to have a real conversation and and you've shown that here and also when we did our interview before after the book so it's 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 an honor dude and hopefully we can do it again all right man thank you so much i want to thank today's guest dylan Gwynn, for joining me on two writers slinging yang one can follow dylan on twitter at at the mighty Gwyn. and you can also go to breitbart can't believe I just said that, but you can go to Breitbart to read his stuff. <laughs> One can listen to Two Writers Sling and Yang on both iTunes and Bumpers FM. Reviews are always appreciated. The music is by the sizzling MC White Owl. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, keep writing.